0: At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Welcome back to Talking Stuff, everyone. I am Jeremy Birmingham. That is Spencer Holbrook. We are the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Buyers Automotive. Uh, Spencer, we last met in this space a few days ago. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, uh, and you know, what? it feels like maybe a little déjà vu, a little déjà. How do you say it? How do you say, I know how it's supposed to be said, but I like to mix things up. And sometimes I say things like déjà vu. Julien. And I just to say mm, déjà Julien. vu. As the French say, Julien. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of the same things because right now there's not a lot of things to talk about, especially when it comes to the class of 2021 and the current status of roster management for Ohio State. So um, we'll get to that in a moment. Because the biggest news of the last couple of days, I guess, would be that the NCAA is now at least taking a step back and looking at the recruiting dead period, which right now is expected to extend until April 15th, and thinking about how they're going to address recruiting moving forward from that date. The proposal, apparently, which was first uh, talked about by Pete Thamel on, on Twitter, was that from April 16th through June 30th, we would go from a dead period to a quiet period on the recruiting trail. So it's alive, but it's don't make it loud. Yeah. Yeah. Stay, stay hush. Spencer um, in, in layman's terms for everyone out there.
1: Let's I just, let's ask you a question. Do you know the difference between the dead period and the quiet period? The dead period is no contact with recruits whatsoever on unofficial or official capacity. I believe the quiet period allows for unofficial and official visits, but I think it limits the amount of contact you're allowed to have with them, with recruits in other facets. I don't know. The primary
0: difference, and you're on the right track. The primary difference is that in a quiet period, recruits can visit your college. Okay. So that is the, the biggest difference. Now, What it means, though, however, that will change for most kids in the spring as opposed to a normal recruiting cycle is that Ohio State coaches, coaches from around the country are not able to go out and evaluate anywhere else. Okay, so there is no trips to kids high schools. There's no opportunities to go meet the janitors that Kerry Combs likes to talk to. There is no opportunity uh, to see them at camps um, anywhere else. I mean, I guess college coaches don't really get that chance now anyway, but. So what they're talking about from that April 16th through June 30th is that official visits, as you said, would be allowed, uh, unofficial visits would be allowed as long as there's a strict guideline on medical uh, protocols and guidance across the country. So a uniform um, approach that every conference would have to deal with. So that's good. Okay. I mean, it is a step in the right direction. It's, it's a little too late, I think. I don't know why they're not doing that now. If you if you kept the number on how many kids could visit at a certain time or how many kids in a certain week, I think you could probably manage that right now and allow these kids like uh, JT2Malau, for example, the opportunity to make visits before the signing period begins instead of having to wait until April 16th. Um, but it is a step in the right direction that at least we could see kids on campus starting again April 16th and more importantly, for kids in Ohio and around the Midwest who are hoping to get offers from Ohio State and bigger schools in the in the region, it means that possibly in-person camps could happen in June, which I think is a really important piece of the puzzle for so many kids, high school kids uh, and, and kids that Ohio State is interested in. So um, that's sort of the big news. Spencer, is it
1: too little too late? Uh, I don't think so, because I think one of the things that could happen around the country is you could see a lot of spring games on April 17th with, you know, limited capacity crowd, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20,000 people out in the horseshoe too. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't want to, you know, that's not the, I don't want the rumor mill to start. No I don't prediction. The, the Instagram accounts to start quoting me on this, but you know, maybe there is an opportunity for Ohio state to have, you know, 20% capacity and have official visitors in for the spring game if that's on April 17th, as opposed to, hey, we were going to have it on the 12th. Let's have it on the 17th now. So I think there is, it isn't a little too late. For a lot of the early enrollees, it's a little too late, but those guys already signed. They knew that they wanted to go to Ohio State regardless. And, you know, Ohio State doesn't take commitments from guys they think are going to decommit anyways in normal cycles. So I don't think this really affects Ohio State. It might affect programs around the country, but if we're looking at a you know, a Ohio State tunnel here, I think I think it doesn't really have much of an impact other than you might be waiting a little bit longer on the sideline for JT to Malao situation now because he has a definitive date of when he could visit certain schools.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really important you say that because Ohio State has not scheduled out their spring yet, but obviously this sort of news percolating and trickling down the the vine does give colleges an opportunity to take a step back and, and reassess what they were thinking because no one is going to be on spring break this year. So they thought maybe, you know, it could have been, let's move this stuff up and get kids done earlier. Um, But because Ohio state was playing so much later than normal, uh, I think that you're right on track with that. I think that this could end up being an opportunity for Ohio state on the first real weekend, when you're allowed to have recruits on campus, it could be the spring week spring game weekend. And that could be a big recruiting boon for Ohio state. I don't think that it would allow that there would be fans allowed in the stadium, but if you were allowed to have, 50 recruits sat, scattered around the stadium. It's a totally different thing. And so I think that is something to pay attention to. And, um, you know, it is important, especially with a player like JT 2 the country's number one ranked player, uh, wire to wire as a number one ranked player As two, four, seven announced, uh, their, their updated rankings on Wednesday. Um, it, JT is still the number one ranked player in the country, Ohio state with five potential signees in the top 10 if two Malau ends up in the Buckeyes class and Spencer quick little road road trip, you know, detour there. But um, is that
1: nuts? Am I crazy? Five guys in the top 10? That's pretty wild. Um, That's like some, uh, some typical Georgia Alabama stuff that Ohio state's putting together. I think it's a special class. Um, This class is not going to get the recognition it needs because Alabama currently has the highest ranked class of all time. As far as, I think they have 327 points, which is absolutely absurd. But they also wanna... have
0: 327 signees or something like no, that. No, yeah, so.
1: I don't want to take anything away from that class because it's higher rated in terms of per player, too. I think it's a 94.6-something in Ohio State, it's a 94.5. Uh, but I I do think this class is incredibly special. Um, you know, 21 signees and pushing Alabama for the number one class while Alabama has 26 signees or 20 – I think Ohio State maybe has 22 while Alabama has 26 um, these SEC schools somehow get 26 or 27 guys in every class. It's pretty wild. I will say that. But aside from that, I think this is crazy to have five of the top 10 guys. Um, yeah, the, the, the gap is widening in the Big Ten. I don't think there's anything else to say.
0: Yeah, four of those top 10 are already signed with Ohio State. And then, as you mentioned, or as we mentioned, there is the big fish of JT2 Malau uh, still out there. That one is just fascinating to watch. We talked about it a little bit on Monday, but you know, I, I've read in the last couple of days, I've read one website that believes that the top two for Tumaau are Alabama and Oregon. I've read another website that believes the top two for him uh, I'm sorry, the one believes it's a battle between Alabama and Oregon, and one believes it's a battle between USC and Ohio State. So like, uh, nobody seems to really have a, a feel for exactly what he's doing. And I, I don't think it's done on purpose uh, by JT, but it is just how he has handled this entire thing. It is a major, major mystery. Um, and it's kind of fun. I mean, it sucks because, you know, we generally feel like we're pretty well connected to what's going on. We're kind of riding the wave here and, and basing my opinion on the recruitment entirely on what I hear from uh, people around the Buckeyes program. And they feel like they're in good shape, but they would love to have had the opportunity to have him on campus at, at some point. And now, maybe, as you said, there is at least a firm timeline uh, emerging for when they could see him on campus. So maybe this recruitment doesn't go all the way into May, but that second weekend, third weekend in April.
1: Let me ask you something, Berman. This is kind of off the cuff. I didn't, uh, you know, to ask you this beforehand off the record or anything. Do you think there's a possibility that he could do kind of like what a lot of these guys do at the... All-America game where he signs in February, and he's such a quiet guy that no one really knows. Do you think he could sign in February and then take those, take a couple visits, I mean, take a visit to Ohio State and then say, hey, I'm committed? I mean, he could, but I don't know why
0: you would do that uh, and then not announce it right away. Because with the free transfer and everything else, you'd have to use it anyway if you all of a sudden had a change of heart three months later. Once you sign, you really can't be talking to other schools without it being, uh, Ill- you know, Ill- illegal communication or improper communication. So you really kind of put the other schools in a in a weird spot if they don't know that you've uh, signed somewhere, like what happened with Tristan Lee and, and Oklahoma, for example, like they didn't really know that he had signed with Clemson on, in the early signing period and were continuing to recruit him. Um, and I don't think that that's how that they would want to handle it. I know that there is. And we, again, we talked about it on Monday, a Monday show. But there's this idea that he could be signing next week, and people I've talked to around Ohio State do not believe that's the case. Um, but so the, the the options here are that they are completely being lied to, or I am, and I guess we'll find out next week uh, if one either one of those things is true. Because for right now, I'm totally preparing under the the umbrella, the the guise of the fact that he is waiting until April to make any sort of visit slash decision. So one guy who's not making a decision in April and will make his decision next week is Rajon Davis, who, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, kind of feels like we're deja vuing it all over again because we keep talking about the same things. But uh, no decision has been reached by Rajon Davis after his visit to Ohio State last weekend. There's still this sort of groundswell of support for him to end up at Ohio State. But I think that there's moving parts here. And one of them is Henry Tooto, the the transfer from Tennessee that we, again, talked about on Monday, uh, who's also considering Ohio State and Oregon and USC. So three of the same schools are in play here. And I wonder if Tooto makes a decision sooner, if that could potentially impact Raejean Davis one way or the other, you know what I
1: mean? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think that, you know Toto is a guy who can play two years if he doesn't have you know a high NFL grade and you know for all we know he could have a high NFL grade after one year because he's very good he's very talented it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me at all uh, but it just comes down to you know if Toto were to go were to go to USC maybe John Davis has a change of heart if he's considering USC as the favorite if Toto comes to Ohio State maybe that makes John Davis look at the room and think twice before he Comes to Ohio State, I think there is some dynamic here where the two have nothing really in common other than their top schools, and that makes them, uh, you know, almost interchangeable. You know, if Ohio State got to Oto and lost Rajon Davis, it might be a wash. If USC did the same thing, it would be a wash for the Trojans. So I think that's that's an interesting dynamic that's playing there.
0: Yeah, and I want to be clear about something. After Monday's show in, in the comments, there was a lot of people saying, you know, you, you definitely take Malau, you definitely take Rajan Davis, you definitely take 2 2 if they all want in. And I want to state unequivocally, I don't believe that that's true. I, I From the people I've talked to and the, the things that I've heard, I don't think that Ohio State is going to necessarily open the doors to any one of those guys that wants in. I think there is a bit of a pecking order and, uh, and a first-come, first-serve in that sort of race at linebacker. That room is pretty full already. Uh, you have Dallas Gantt. You have Taraji Mitchell. You have Kayvon Pope. You have Tommy Eichenberg. You have um, you know uh, Cody Simon. And you have uh, Mitchell Melton. You have Court Williams who can drop down. You have a lot of guys coming in. You have Reed Carrico now. Like, this is a room that is not – necessarily short on talent and you've got a lot of guys that have waited to to play and I don't know that this it's a need for Ohio State in this class if it were a huge need in the class of 2021 they would have been pushing for someone more all along than just Reed Carrico so uh, you know they do have three linebackers committed in 2022 so they see it's a need for next year but I I don't think that it's cut and dried that it is all three of those guys would be given the green light to sign with Ohio state. If they wanted to, I don't think now, let me back that up. There is no way Ohio state will tell JT to no, whether it's next week or may, I think that there would be a discussion or have to be a discussion about whether or not you take two more linebackers in this group. So I'll just, I guess I'll leave it at that Spencer. Cause I, I don't know that there's really anything else to say.
1: And, Let me reiterate here, you know, we've only been doing this show together for about a little over a year. So we only got to talk about Cody Simon, who is very, very talented. Um, I think he's one of the most underrated players in that class. Uh, Mitchell Melton is right there, too. I think people just kind of get a lot of love from people that are in the program
0: that uh, are waiting and and really believe that he's got a a special, special uh, future.
1: I think both of those guys are are criminally underrated. I think Tommy Eichenberg is underrated. Uh, this linebacker group, I think, will be one of the most talented on the roster. Uh, now, that's a bold statement to say, but it will be the, one of the most talented units on the roster next year at Ohio State. And I know the the newest thing is always the the shiniest and brightest and and most exciting, but. That's not always the need. You don't always need to get the newest thing because some of those guys in the room already, you know, you don't want to say that you want to keep them happy, but, but they're going to play. And yeah, well, they also are guys that know the program. They understand the
0: defense. I mean, we don't even mention a guy like Craig Young, who may be the most athletic in the group. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys that have put in their time and football is not a situation where you just keep pushing guys in and, and and throw away the guys that have put in the work because those guys that have put in the work understand what you're doing. Uh, Rajon Davis, and I, I know this is probably surprising to people, but I think, you know, you look at his rating and he's a top 50 player. He obviously has a lot of skills, but I don't think that he's a player uh, that plays at Ohio State in, in, in his freshman year. And maybe that's what allures him to Ohio State. Maybe that's part of the allure. Maybe he's like, hey, I like the fact that I have to go there and be developed and be challenged. That's what Emeka Buka said. He said, I I wanted to go somewhere where it was going to be harder for me to get on the field. So maybe that's part of the draw for Rajon Davis, but I definitely don't think at Ohio State he's a plug-and-play type player. And at this point in the process, if you're making these big-time roster decisions, you almost always lean toward the player that is a plug-and-play. Because that's the, really the only reason to take someone else at this point. So it's just one of those discussions that I think, uh, a, as you mentioned, between to To'o and rajan Davis, where these multiple, you know, multiple schools of of interest are the same. Things get a little bit uh, murky as we have a week to signing day.
1: My last thought on this is, Ohio State doesn't need Rayjon Davis. I know a lot of people in the comments are gonna probably get a little agitated with that, but. Look at the roster. Ohio State does not need another linebacker right now. Ohio State needs JT to allow. Ohio State needs him for that, for the future of that position. I don't think Rajon Davis going somewhere else is going to kill Ohio State's chances of having an elite defense in the next four no. years. And, think, and
0: Rajon's the type of kid that you build a good program around. He's a great kid, really uh, high upside,
1: big ceiling. But again, it's he might be two or three years away. Yeah, and that's all I'm trying to say is you know, his if if Ohio if he doesn't pick Ohio State, it's not going to change the program. If JT Tua Malau picks Ohio State, it could be game changing in multiple games throughout his career on the defensive side for the Buckeyes. That's that's the last I'll say about
0: it. Yeah, JT is a player that I would fully expect to be on the field in game one for Ohio State uh, very early. He's he's just I mean, it's similar to how I've talked about Travion Henderson. Is that he's just different and it's hard to really. Uh, put that into words sometimes, but the tape speaks what what the difference is, and it's not really just about how he looks against high school competition. There's just a different way that guys like that move and um, are. So let's uh, let's finish up this portion of the talking stuff for the Ohio State recruiting podcast, brought to you by Buyers Auto, uh, and move on to the final segment for today, which will be a couple questions. I don't want to get this into a 30-minute show. I know that the last couple maybe have been a little long-winded, but uh, hey, I like to talk answer what, what do yeah, we got so
1: I like to talk too. Uh, the first question I don't know who it's from I'm sorry I've been forgetting to screenshot who they're from but uh, what's the latest on Keon Gray's is Ohio State still leading that recruitment um, I know that this is a situation that Ohio State has to be patient with so there's not much you know information to give but whatever you got burn well what? it's one of those things where you just you haven't seen these
0: kids in person you have not met them in person how many kids in a class do you want to have commitments from that you haven't met? Because it does set up a potentially volatile situation down the road if, if you don't mesh as well in person and as you think you would. Uh, that said, Ohio State is the clear-cut leader for Keon Grays. I think that Oregon's making a push, and, and they're kind of – if I was Oregon, what I would be saying to Keon Grays is, hey, Ohio State is – it wouldn't let you commit today, probably, so uh, we will. So who really wants you? And I, it's a smart play, but I don't think it's true. I think Ohio State is just making sure that every box is checked and every T is crossed and every I is dotted because Keon Grays, along with Kojo Antwi uh, in Georgia, and a little bit still with C.J. Williams out there in California, who they really like, but they're in a similar situation where they just can't get a chance to really meet these kids in person. Uh, that is the upper crust of the Ohio State 2022 receiver target board right now. They're really looking for one, maybe two more guys. Probably only one more uh, right away to complement Caleb
1: Burton. And I know that receiver is a sexy position to recruit. Uh, It's one that gets everybody excited. But when you take four guys in 2020, I know one of them's already departed. You take three guys in 2021. it, It the room just becomes a lot bigger, and there's a lot of guys in there. And so I think the the 2022 receiver recruiting will be a little quieter than normal cycle for Ohio state. Agreed. Um, Next question. How is Ohio state recruiting differently on defense to, to defend against today's offenses? And I think, I I think I'll, I'll start off by just saying like, if you look at a guy like court Williams and a guy like Josh Proctor, and they've been doing it for a long time. It's not like this is a new thing where they have to adjust their recruiting style. Like Josh Proctor can play corner. He can play, nickel he can play safety court williams can play nickel he can play safety he can play down in the box at linebacker like these guys are so with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere
0: this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky
1: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Versatile in what they can do. You know, I even look at a guy like uh, Haskell Garrett, who's huge and can clog the middle, but also can run guys down in the run game. I think that's where it starts, but you can take it from there.
0: No, we've talked about it for years. The the Buckeyes are recruiting uh, versatile as heck. Uh, they're looking. It, it, what you're really looking for is you're recruiting a high school linebacker that can play defensive end. You're recruiting a high school safety that can play linebacker. You're recruiting cornerbacks that can play safety. You're recruiting wide receivers that can play cornerback. You're constantly looking for guys that are the next step of athleticism for the position that they play. So you look at a guy, and J.T. Tuamalao is the perfect example of this. He is a six foot five, two hundred ninety pound defensive end who can play all four spots on the, on the defensive line. He's got basketball feet. He's got uh, basketball hands. Like The kid is a special type of athlete. Um, and, and ultimately, I think what what, you, what what this really is getting at, this question, is why was Ohio State playing four linebackers against Alabama? I think that's really the question. Ohio State has recruited to defend modern offenses. That is, everyone does, because every offense is modern. Like, that's, you know, the where we're at. Alabama's giving up 40-some points a game. They're recruiting as good as you can, right? It doesn't matter. The offenses are given advantages and are so good that you're going to have to find ways to score a lot of points to win these days. But um, the real answer there is just by recruiting as many versatile athletes as possible, guys that can are long, guys that can recover. And Baron Browning is sort of the prototype of that in a linebacker, someone that fits – the mold of someone who can drop down and play defensive end. He can back up and play safety. He can play the tight end one-on-one. He can cover in the slot. He can cover in the flat. That's what you need. And I know that people look at a guy like Tough Borland and say, oh, he, he can't cover anybody. It's not his job. And, and, and the Buckeyes did not do a very good job against Alabama of scheming up a, a plan to stop them. For whatever reason, they decided to play the four linebackers. Maybe that's because they didn't trust the defensive back depth. I guess that's the other area to answer this question. You recruit by – you know, against today's offenses by making sure you have more players like Jordan Hancock and Ja'Kalen Johnson and Denzel Burke uh, and and, uh, Jansen Dunn coming into your program. So it's not something that they've um, avoided or something that they're ignorant about. It's just sometimes you need guys to be able to develop and and get there. So um, this, again, this year's defense of Ohio State could have looked a whole lot different if you have Jeffrey Okuda and Chase Young uh, out there.
1: Yeah. And, look, and another guy, you look at a guy like Cameron Martinez, who's just an athlete that they're going to train to play multiple positions in the defense. A um, couple of really quick ones. Uh, I threw this one in here and I'm going to be honest with the audience. I screenshotted who is the biggest threat to Ohio State in the Big Ten recruiting wise, because I thought James Franklin might take the Tennessee job. And so I thought we could talk about that. But now that that didn't happen, uh, I think that's kind of a moot point because I don't think there's really any competition there, other than maybe Penn State in some cycles.
0: I mean, I think Penn State is obviously one of those programs that has always done a good job recruiting. They do a really good job on the East Coast. Um, They struggled this year for whatever reason, and I I don't know if it's because there was a lot of talk about James Franklin potentially leaving in the last year. Um, But, you know, to me, it's still Michigan. And, again, maybe it's because I grew up in Toledo. Maybe it's because I've watched the rivalry so close in my whole life. Um, Michigan still had the second-best class in the Big Ten this year. They're still the one program that consistently kids – see the winged helmet and, and feel a different way. A lot of kids grew up with parents rooting for Michigan. Um, yes, they've been bad in the last uh, 15 years, but you know, they went out this off season and Jim Harbaugh was forced to hire a brand new staff essentially. And a staff that was going to be much more focused on recruiting uh, much more focused on, on elevating the type of athlete they have. Um, and we'll see if it pays off. I still think that they are the most consistent threat to Ohio State down the road. And, and um, I, I just don't see any other way around it. If you look at Penn State, yeah, they're, they're fine. Uh, they're a good program. They've done a good job recruiting. Um, but Ohio State isn't battling them for many recruits. They're not battling Michigan for many recruits right now. So the goal for Michigan and Penn State is to put yourself in a position where you're not maybe beating Ohio State three out of five times for recruits or even four out of five times. But you need to be able to beat them one out of five times. And right now, neither of those schools are really doing that.
1: All right, last question. And this is more of a compliment for you than a question. Uh, Somebody said, I know there are many media outlets and recruiting analysts out there, but Letterman always seems to develop the best relationships with the players and coaches. What sets apart from the rest and allows uh, the recruits to trust you the most?
0: Uh, I have no idea. I just know that I I keep my mouth shut on things I'm not supposed to talk about, I guess. That's the 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 biggest thing i mean you know this whole business this whole world is based on on trust and respect and if you don't uh, have that with recruits or with coaches or with parents then nothing else is going to work so i i would guess that's it but um you know i i, I think we've done a pretty good job uh, on our site um making sure that people know we're not interested necessarily in um selling out for clicks i guess oh, rumors or oh, rumors
1: we're not really well, on rumor side I mean,
0: either. No, we, do, we certainly uh, will address them if they are getting out of control. But we, we don't live in the rumor mill, and that's important. Um, but, you know, I, I, I know people like them. I mean, I wish that we could talk about it more because it's fascinating. We, these shows would go a whole lot longer probably uh, if we could. But, um, you know, we still ended up at 30 minutes on this one.
1: So I guess that's just where we're
0: at now. Sorry for everyone who's thinking these are too long lately.
1: Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, you always talk about comfort and relationships. I mean, it's the same thing with with recruiting coverage as it is with recruiting in general. And, you know, everybody always seems to want to know the ins and outs of covering recruiting, but no one ever talks to Austin and I about, you know, covering the team. It's kind of interesting that people want to know how to recover recruiting, but covering the team is is a little different.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a a business that's built. uh, I believe that all business, whether you're, in media, whether you work, um, you know, in a daycare, whether you work in a bank, whether you work in a restaurant, every business is the people business. Like there is no other business. Everything you do is about how you interact with other people and how other people trust you or don't trust you and whether or not that they will, they know they can count on you. That's, that's business. Like every business is the people business. So I think that sometimes people get wrapped up in what they're doing and forget why they're doing it or who they're doing it for. Uh, And to me, that's ultimately what always separates any business from, you know, those that are succeeding and those that aren't. Every business is the people business, period. Well said. Um, That's it. So uh, that is Talking Stuff and more, I guess. uh, The Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Rail Buyers Automotive. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching, everyone. Please rate, review, subscribe. We'll be back uh, in a few days with more stuff. Have a good one.